Blog Talk Radio. This is the Coach's Corner, and I am Randy Blumendahl. I've got a very interesting and hopefully thought-provoking show lined up tonight. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank J.P. Weber and the Yellow Ball Network for allowing my show to take place, helping it, and also all the great shows that are out there. We've got a great lineup, and I think you ought to check it out. The tennis enthusiasts and those that are just wanting to learn about this great game, it's a great network, great resource. Um, tonight, what I'd like to talk about is mastery. A lot of times I get asked this question, uh, how can you achieve mastery? And what does it mean? So, you know, what is it? What is mastery? Can it be facilitated by today's administrators? I know a lot of times on a lot of these shows and a lot of times we're talking in tennis, we're talking about how, you know, the things that aren't going on, the the, the problems that we have. You know, and often we're not talking about how to fix these problems or what the solutions are. I think we all are well aware of some of the things that are slowing us down, and there's some good things going on in tennis in this country. But I think a lot of people are kind of up in arms and feel like there should be more. I'm one of them. But, you know, the uh, one thing that I've often thought about is is mastering and, and really what the difference is and, and where we're falling short. You know, cliches and facts seem to be taking over. And and when I say taking over, it seems to be 95 to 100% of our conversations that go on in tennis. And, you know, even though we're, we're pointing out problems, we stick with cliches and facts and rarely dive deeper than that with anybody. Well, that's a problem. That's a, that's a real problem, especially in a sport that demands so much more. Um, so, so as I was thinking this through, I was like, well, there's some successes out there and there's things that really could inspire people to go to the next level of how they think and what they're going to do. But this word or term mastery in sport in general, I think is one of the keys. Today I was listening to, uh, coach John Denise and uh, Coach Chuck Creasy talk on Coach Denise's show, and I, you know, I, I listened to a lot of the show, and they were talking a lot about this, in and out of this this mastery word. Not so much success, and I'm going to get into that in a minute, but, but more about mastery. But one thing they talked about early on, or well, early on, so we were around the middle of the show, they started talking about, sports in elementary schools and why that was important. Big, big key, big key. And, you know, as I have my own children, you start to see the world a little bit differently. You have your own experiences, and then obviously the experiences that I've had for many years as a coach. The, the, the thing that gets everything going in the elementary school sport or that used to is is very much a big part of mastery. 
So when I started thinking about mastery in sport, I kind of broke it down into three phases. One phase was the igniter, the starter. The second phase was the chase, you know, how to really get people going after something. And the third phase is really from the heart. It's falling in love with whatever you're doing. And I think without these three phases, mastery does not take place. So peers is a lot of what Coach Denise and Coach Creasy were talking about. Now, as they were talking about this in early development in elementary school, I started thinking to myself, my son, Paul, I remember watching him play a bunch of sports last year in the Northeast. I was in New Jersey, and and the thing that I could identify with from the start in, in New Jersey, in New York, was the competitiveness of the people. You know, and that's a general term, but wow, I mean, it was, you know, you everybody was competing and trying to scratch out in a lot of different directions all the time. Well, as a competitor and as a sports enthusiast, it was something I could really identify with from almost everybody that I met. So when my son Paul started playing sport, he, you know, he, you know, early on it was like, well, we don't have sport in elementary, so what do we do? Well, he had a bunch of friends, you know, through grade school and, and really through the friends that we met in our community that he was starting to, you know, accumulate, I guess is, is the right word, but he was starting to associate with, and they became closer and closer, and they were doing different things, you know, backyard stuff. And, and basically when it came time to sign up for the sport, it was like, well, yeah, I want to play with this guy. I want to play with this guy. So they all got together and, hey, we're going to play soccer together. Well, you think, oh, what's the big deal there? Well, by the, you know, not only were they playing with each other, then they knew people that they were playing against throughout their season. And they talked about this stuff all week long. Like, I'm going to play this kid, or I'm going to play the guy down the street, and I'm going to and it seems like, oh, okay, well, he got excited. But ha a little more than that happened. He not only got excited, he started working harder and harder to, to develop the skills that were needed to get better and succeed, in, you know, at, at this level. Not, not mainly because he was trying to win games, but really it was more like bragging rights. It was, it was a much deeper thing that was going on there. Big startup for him in sport. Now, he had an aptitude to do very well in soccer, not so much in basketball. He was smaller, uh, one of the smaller ones on the team. But guess what? He was, you know, same kids picked the same kids to play on the team. And then they talked to the same kids about competing against each other. And the games got real intense for that level, basketball. They played basketball together. They played baseball together. The same thing. And they were all talking about the score and who won the games. And, and they were out in the backyard working on their swings and their, their shots and his foot skills. I mean, all this stuff took place simply because 
his peers, not only was it wasn't just people new, it was people that he grew up with, and he would have competed with them on any level, whether you know it, it was in the classroom, whatever it was going to be. And I say that I've moved to Florida now, and that connection's not quite there yet. So I've been thinking about that. Now, he's on a soccer team, getting ready to be on a baseball team, playing tennis. And even though he continues to develop, that spark that was there in New Jersey and that really was a little bit deeper is not there yet because he hasn't connected on that level yet. So I think that's a big part of what starts up mastery. And I'm going to get into why that is. Coach Creasy, Coach Denise talked a lot about this in their program. I would recommend you listen to that. Um, made a lot of sense. They talked a lot about playgrounds and, and sports in schools and a, a lot of this. But the peers, the initial stuff with the peers is a big igniter. Another thing that, that makes a big difference, young people developing is watching, but not just watching the sport, watching greatness in great moments. Another thing that happened with my son, of course, as a tennis coach, you know, Grand Slams, we went to the U.S. Open, we watched Wimbledon, we watched those events, and he started asking a lot of questions. Then he started watching other players play. World Cup was on. He watched every game with his grandmother. Every game, asked questions, wanted to know how he could do certain things. Big igniter. It's not just watching the sport. It's really watching it in an event of heritage, and then you're watching something that's very high quality because it's got to be something that the the, the young athlete believes that they can achieve one day, but they also know that it's very, very difficult. And I think that's key. The opposite of the way marketing people think, we're not thinking about, hey, how do we explain how difficult this is? But that's the very thing that inspires the young people. They're like, oh, my gosh, you know, could I do that one day? I can go to the moon. I could be the president, but it's going to take a lot of work, a lot of work. And then that plants the seed for them to start doing what they need to do. The chase, the chase is very important. That's the next phase. The chase is working at the craft and studying the game. So once this initial, you know, I've seen the World Cup, but then they start studying it. You know, and, and this is where the old school of thought, yeah, actually in a couple of weeks I have one of my players is going to come, one of my former players is going to come on to the show and talk about, he's currently at University of North Carolina, so I'm just waiting for his season to wrap up. But he spent two days with Roger Federer, two days without a coach. Now, this is magical. And, and a lot of the things that he's going to talk about is, is I mean, I, it, it just, you know, I'm not starstruck very often in sport anymore, but, I mean, I, 
I get goosebumps thinking about it. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's something that's magical, the things that he was talking about. Now, they're very simple things. As you get down to just the, the root of what he's talking about, the depth is amazing. But one of the things that I want to get into with, with Fed tonight was he's a court rat. He was literally a court rat, and that's what I'm getting at with the chase. So he's studying this all the time. He said in the breaks between practice sessions, between workout sessions, he would be pulling up his computer or his phone, and they would be talking about, you know, the 750th player on the ATP or who's playing the challenger circuit or the number six guy in Switzerland or who's the up-and-coming 15-year-old that's ranked, you know, top 50 in the ITF. He said his, his knowledge base on tennis was amazing. Now, this hit me on an even deeper level because when I was working with a young man, one of the things that, you know, the inquisitiveness was where I was like, oh, he's going to be something special. But knowing that he would hang out 15, 16, 17 hours a day on some sort of court, I knew deep down inside this, is what it was going to take for him or anybody else to master. And now looking at it through the lenses of the greatest of all time, that's who he was. Now, is everybody like that? Is there exceptions? Absolutely. But I think there's something to be said about that. And I, I, I think that that's a common theme with a lot of the players that get to the top. So chasing, studying the game. Studying the game. I remember going over to College Park and and uh, being around little Tiafo and and Coach Creasy and Coach Salazar and and just was amazed at how he would just sit there and just watch, 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 watch. Would be on the road with him, and he's asking all kinds of questions. But it wasn't questions to just talk. It was things he had thought about on how he was going to figure out what other people were trying to do in the game. So this is, this is a big moment and a big separator between players that are just chasing after success and players that are trying to do something a lot deeper and trying to go after it. Now, do they consciously do that? No. I think this is facilitated, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Um, the next phase is, is falling in love, falling in love. So, you know, and this is, this is probably the most important. And this, this is the one that, you know, and, and it's, that's why it becomes so personal about, hey, it's cliches and facts. Because if you, if you don't, as a coach, if you're not trying to dive in there and relate on a deeper level, then – how are we going to expect the players to do that? And and there's a lot of traps in, in why we're not doing this. But falling in love is is a huge part of it. Um, hanging, you know, the 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 the, the part of, of hanging out, studying, seeing the different 
nuances and, and all the little things that matter on a much deeper level, start looking at the game from a physical, a mental, emotional side, but diving in there and asking all the questions that are the big separators, that happens after hundreds of hours. And you only spend those hours if you've fallen in love with it. So now how, how can, this, can this be facilitated by administrators? You know, I, and, and here's my belief. You know, a lot of, I'm always hearing, oh, it's the kids, it's the kids, it's the kids. You know, it, and, you know, I, hey, we, it, we don't have enough talent. We don't have this. We don't, it's not. It's not the kids. It's not the kids. <laughs> they, they have their certain cultures in certain ways that the kids, you know, in their family dynamic, in their training dynamic, where they're from that make a big difference in the way they, they go after this. And can it be, be facilitated? Yes, it absolutely can. Are we currently doing it? I don't think so. I think the girls are having some success, but I'm talking about something that's much deeper. And I don't mean that the girls aren't chasing it after on a, on a deeper level, but let's see. Let's see. We'll all know. It'll inspire all of us if they do. I mean, you can't play the game for 25 years like the Williams and not fall in love with it on a certain level. All right. Uh, Chris said all of our champions can't do that. Now we're having some success. Will it, will it happen? Will they have a little bit of success and then disappear? Or will these be names that we hear about for 10, 15, 20 years? I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, if they're giving everything they've got, and the only way to do that is they have to have a, a deep-rooted love for what they're going after. Now, it may, you know, they may hate it at times, but that's going to be part of the deal. So can it be facilitated? Yeah, I think it can. I think it can. And here's, here's three things that I think are important about facilitating. Keep the local rivals together. I think when you facilitate, you have, you have to find ways as an administrator to keep the local rivals together. Second thing is allow events of heritage to separate and be innovative on a local, regional, and national, and worldwide level. If you don't allow that to happen, it starts diluting the chase with the players. It starts polluting what they go after. All right, so these are very important. Number three, build tennis in small towns. Why is this important? Why is it important to build it in small towns? There's an opportunity there, number one. And I think this sport requires a certain mindset to chase after it. And it takes a certain type of determination. When, when you have multiple things in and out of your world all the time, with the big city areas, I think it's a little more difficult. Are there exceptions again? Absolutely. But can kids come from small towns? Yeah, I think that's been proven. 
Are we doing a good job of that right now? I think we that's a show we can talk about. But for sure, if I was an administrator trying to facilitate this, I would do that. Coach Creasy has got written up Small Town Tennis USA, and he's got, you know, from, from start to bottom, he's got a way for us to do that. I think it's something everybody ought to take a look at, but we need to go back to building tennis in small towns and growing, making the game stronger by growing in those regions um, and not just small little sections of the country. Um, here's what I would avoid. Over-marketing with the financial burden trickling down to over Priced junior competitions. Marketing and not building any infrastructure where the players can can uh, reap any sort of benefits or, or keep the cost down for the players. I mean, it, it just, it, it, it makes no sense. I mean, we market, 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 raise the price, raise the price, raise the price, the competition goes up. Competition costs go up, the the training costs go up, and the number of people that can afford to play tennis goes down, and it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It doesn't really tap into who it should. Economically, the sport should be very broad based. It shouldn't be just a certain a small group that can afford to play the game. That should be attainable if you look at them if you look at it the right way and you facilitate it the right way don't put players in tournaments in a box what i mean by this is when you mandate or you go by early rankings to determine players opportunities you've created a box that makes no sense. Tennis is, is an independent thinking game. It has many avenues that you can be successful in it. And to narrow it down to one or two makes it very difficult for the cream to rise to the top. And what I mean by that is the, your most talented, your most gifted people to get there. And if you're going to do this, it, it, it just doesn't usually happen. The, the game itself, this is the last thing. The things of heritage, things of heritage, honor the game. Honor the game. And what do I mean by the game? The game's basically lines, rules, and then events of heritage. So Thomas Jefferson said, in matters of style, swim with the current. In matters of principle, stand like a rock. When, when issues occur that have to do with the way the court is, the rules of the game, or events of heritage, we have to stay firm or we're going to lose our game. We have to we don't avoid those situations. We have to avoid making decisions that are short-term marketing decisions 
that will not help her game if it's going to go forward. If we do those things, absolutely mastery can be a tank. I mean, can, can, what happens when there's a lot of success with players early on? We put them in our little box. We have one little way. <clears throat> there's a lot of greatness come out of that. I, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. Um, I'm, I'm very excited. I want to tell you, I'm very excited that Kent Kinnear has been promoted as the player development person for the USTA. I, I, I don't think there's a better man in tennis. I think it is a huge job, but I think it's more than the USTA. I think we all have to get together. We all have to start putting in a time. And the reason I say this is I have, my hope is the information that I'm, I'm giving tonight is helpful for tennis to grow, prosper, as it deserves, not for the wealth or fame, but so it's passed down to our kids, their kids, and each generation after. It's a sport that's unique in its greatness, which finds greatness in each and every person that gives their heart to the sport. And I think that's a huge separator and it's something that makes it very separate from from many things that we have in, in this world. Uh, I wish everybody the best. I hope this has is, been useful. Look forward to talking to you. I'm on every Sunday night. Um, have a great week. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.